Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. RJ Abedier from Inside Troy, Ryan Abraham, and that great staff. He joins us. Uh, he was on with us earlier, RJ, a couple of two, three weeks ago with a game coming up. But also, now the news over the weekend that Alex Grinch is out as defensive coordinator and USC moves on. RJ, thank you. With Craig and Paul, I'm David Smoke. Thanks for your time. It was just a matter of time. Is that correct? And why now? Well, I think for the for the first for the first part, yeah. I mean I there's just no other way to slice it. I have been a very, very strong um, proponent of the notion that USC was not just a coordinator change away from being good that they still have a lot of work to do and that the talent there is nowhere near what you see on a top 10 defensive team but that being said they're also not a number 79 level of talent and that's where they were at kind of as a defense a lot of their numbers are even worse than that they were in the triple digits and there's no argument to be made that the talent on that team should be performing at that level so yeah I mean I think the first part is I just think that you look at, you know, the opponent putting up 49 and 52 points in consecutive games. It's just not going in the right direction. And so the, the second part is I think that it was a very, very crucial statement from Lincoln Riley to his players that he's not going to let loyalty get in the way of what's best for them. Um, and what's best for the program. And what's best for the program is to have a chance to play two games under different circumstances and get a chance to see if they can make things better, at least a little bit better over the next two weeks. And then obviously a full um, set of practices for bowl prep. You know, they they have seven wins. They're going somewhere. Um, And so I think there is significant value in, in having season time and games to play under different circumstances for these players, not just from a morale standpoint, from, from but from a development standpoint. And and look, from a results standpoint, at, at this point, you know, it, the USC defense was broken, just utterly broken to the point where, you know, prior to this Saturday, the previous two teams all surpassed their averages in total yards, in yards per carry, in yards per attempt. So it's just like everything works. So this was the time, and I do think there is value in doing it at the time that Lincoln Riley did it. Who do you suspect are outside candidates for the job? 
you know, it, the one thing about doing this now is it's tough to say because we're in November, we're in the, you know, we're in the climax of the season. And I think what things look like now versus what things look like in December are going to be significantly different. And the other thing that makes it difficult is, you know, I, I wrote on Saturday, yes, to, an, to a large extent, this was an Alex Grinch problem, but in a bigger picture, this is kind of a Lincoln Riley problem. If you look at his entire head coaching career, he consistently produces elite offenses and he consistently fails to produce anything even close to an elite defense. And that digs into, you know, your philosophy, your program building, your recruiting, your practicing, what you do, all that stuff. And we don't know for sure just how much Lincoln Riley is willing to change, which is just a long way of saying, you know, does he just reach back into the air raid tree? Does he just reach back into what's familiar? Or does he really go after, you know, an elite defensive coordinator or a position coach at an elite school whose time may have arrived? And there's just no way, there's just no way of knowing that. What I, what I will say is that he's, he's almost assuredly going to want somebody that's got legitimate coordinator experience. Um, that would be the best scenario. Um, somebody who meshes with what he does. But I think the other part, the other piece of this is it's got to be somebody that can recruit both locally and on a national level. Because again, as I said at the top, you look at USC's front seven and defensive line, you know, front seven talent, it's not as, it, first of all, it should be better than this, but it's not what it could and should be. And it's not what it needs to be if they're eventually going to be good. So I, I, I think to throw names out right at the second would be a little questionable because we just don't know where Lincoln Riley is willing to go to get what he needs. RJ, uh, giving up 250-plus yards and four touchdowns to a guy on an offense that hasn't ran the ball all that effectively all year was was obviously one of the last straws here. Um, was that your biggest takeaway from the game against Washington, or was there perhaps something else that stood out to you about that contest? No, I think that's, I think that's the headlining moment, and actually it's the specifics of it that make it really, really just kind of tough to deal with um, if you're USC. First off, Dylan Johnson had never gained more than 100 yards in a game. That's crazy. He had 263 against USC. Secondly, you know, if you watched the game, there was an awful lot of indication on film that a lot of his big plays were set to be big plays before the ball was even snapped. Um, and I asked uh, All-American strong safety Kalen Bullock after the game, you know, how many of the big runs were – due to alignment issues or, or kind of pre-snap issues. And he basically said everything, all of them. So, you know, when you're talking about a team that's just not even lining up properly, you know, and is beat, like I said, before the snap on just way too many snaps, it's, it's broken in a way that has to be addressed. So uh, there was the emotions of Caleb Williams, depends on who you ask what they thought of that. Uh, obviously just crumpled into his mom's arms in the stands and falling, and, and then she had him kind of covered up with the sheet. How did that go over in L.A.? You know, I think most people chose to take the more optimistic view of it all. I think most people were willing to stay away from the cynicism 
um, that, that people could choose to take. You know, look, it was it was an upsetting loss for the whole team. I mean, basically, if you saw the post game press conference, they 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 brought in seven guys. Caleb Williams was one of them, and the looks on their faces were just utter disgust, utter frustration, and kind of utter embarrassment. You know, it, it's not what you sign up for when you sign up to come play for USC. So, you know, I I think what you saw on camera with Caleb Williams was very indicative of what the vast majority of that locker room felt. And it's that, it's that specific kind of defeat where everyone told you you were supposed to be good. You thought you were supposed to be good. And suddenly you are just not, you realize you're not as good as you think you are. And, and that's not specifically a Caleb Williams commentary, but that's just the team. And that realization, that's tough. That's tough to deal with for young players. That is the most unique way I've ever heard that put where the, the, the word hits you that you're not, because I don't think in any way, shape or form, they were thought that they were getting their third loss until a bowl game. And that was everything went wrong for them this year. They, they were planning to be in the CFP. Yeah, that's a hundred percent right. And look, a function of this is certainly the imbalance of their schedule, but the bottom line is they were six and out. And in the last four games, they're one and three. They needed, you know, a huge comeback to win the one, which is against the low at the non-ranked team of the four. So this is just a team that like, you know, like we said, like they went out there against good competition and they just didn't measure up in any way, shape or form. Now the offense, the last two games certainly did perform and certainly did what needs to be done if you can't. If you can't make 42 points stand up at home, then it's like we said, you know, you're not what you thought you were. But that's tough. You know, that's a little tougher than a situation where you kind of go into the season thinking you're not going to be good and and the expectations are kind of minimized. And that doesn't exist at USC. So, you know, it it, it was tough. And and it's, it's a reality, I think, that's dawning on the fan base and everybody that, is there a path back to elite status for this program? Of course there is. Um, but there are no shortcuts. And it is going to take time, and it's going to take longer than I think most fans want to admit. RJ, at least things uh, ease up this weekend. Oh, wait. Uh, they go to number 6 yeah. Oregon playing in Eugene. And they got UCLA on, on the back end of that. But uh, Oregon, just your thoughts in general on this game. Do you see any rays of hope or light for, for the Trojans rolling in here, things that uh, could bounce or – or things that uh, matchup-wise you feel like they can uh, have some success from? Well, the tough thing for USC is that in a normal situation for a non-USC team, there's definite there's a definite possibility that suddenly you can wear that underdog cloak. You can wear that. You can put that chip on your shoulder, and you can get a little underestimated by an elite team. The problem is that nobody in the Pac-12 sleeps on USC, and certainly not an Oregon team – um, who has gauged you engaged USC in a very personal and very local way on the recruiting front for years um, and kind of stands out, you know, a level of program that USC is not at right now. Um, so, you know, you know, they're going to be licking their chops up there. So I, I don't, I, I think it's going to be, as of now, I think it's going to be a rough night. I think the best sign of optimism is look, they still have Caleb Williams. They still have an elite offense. And there are no longer championship expectations. 
like they that 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 thing we talked about that we're supposed to be good thing that's Oregon's to wear now you know Oregon's supposed to go out there and look really good they probably will but you know if USC wants to play that underdog card and 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 lean into that that might be a path to some success but it's it's tough to look at that game on paper and find a lot of reason for optimism if you're if you're on the USC side. RJ, last thing for me is that uh, it's LA. They like glitz and glamour. We know that no matter what teams we're talking about. Does Caleb Williams alone still give them enough glitz and glamour to go to home games? You know, I think given the fact that there's one home game left and it's the rivalry game, yeah, yeah, UCLA, yeah, um, and I so I think that's going to be fine. You know, if this. You know, if they start the season 0-3 or 0-4 and then everything collapses, then no. I, I think in L.A. you're not going to get that kind of crowd. But they'll be fine. They'll be playing in front of a sellout at Austin. They'll be playing in front of us. If it's not sold out, it'll be pretty close for UCLA. So I don't think they're going to get hurt too much in that regard. I think what's going to be really interesting is how the team evolves for the bowl game and what that looks like and where they end up going and who they end up playing. Man, good stuff, RJ. Thank you as always. We appreciate your time and insight and the knowledge of what's going on. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. RJ Betty with us from Inside Troy. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.